Warning, being a billionaire is immoral, and wanting to become one is a neurosis of the heart. Hello, my friends, uh, our friends, and welcome back to What to Think, Seriously Wrong presents What to Think, TM. Yeah, the, the uh, most inconsistently produced news program in the... Uh on the planet. Yeah, and a lot is a lot has happened since we last did uh covered some current events. Like yeah. A lot. Yeah, we probably won't talk cover. about most of it. Mm-mm. No, that's up to you to research. <laughs> it would be like a forty hour long episode. No, we're just gonna catch you up on everything. Yeah, all yeah. all news <laughs> over the last three months. News, news, news. I the news knows, the nose knows. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I'll get better, everyone. Um, apologies uh, on behalf of Aaron for myself, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure Aaron will be happy to apologize himself. All right, as well. so I'm Aaron. That's Sean. I'm Sean. This is uh, seriously wrong. This is what to think. We uh, are going to tell you what to think. I mean, mm. what, what's the hard part of thinking? Figuring out what to think, <laughs> and we solve that problem by just telling you directly, cutting out the middleman. The <laughs> middleman is your own conscience. <laughs> Get out the middleman. So thank you and a welcome. Empty out your soul. Be ready to be filled like the vessel you are with the, the words of our us. With the words of us. Thank you. Someone please tell me what to think. Someone please tell me what to think. Someone please tell me what to think. What to think. Today's episode of the Seriously Wrong Podcast is brought to you by the new life-changing diet. It's called the Piles Diet. Now, Piles of Food Diet. And I mean, I'm on this diet myself. It's a great team um, at Piles Incorporated. They've set me up with everything I need to get going. It's going to keep you really healthy. It's going to keep you super fit, get you in the best shape of your life. Most meals, so most of the foods you eat should be a pile of food that's mixed together. So different things that are mixed together. So that could be a salad, that could be a soup, that could even be something like a burrito bowl or even, you know, a, a burrito is kind of pile adjacent. And, and that, that's almost good enough because it's not about always doing the diet. It's about usually eating the piles. And then obviously uh, what counts for a good pile? Well, piles need to be mostly vegetables, fruits, nuts, beans, or grains, mostly those things. And ideally you wanted a mix of different food and you want to get into a pile of some kind, whether that be a soup, salad, stir fry, you name it. So uh, the food and, piles. So like if so I as long as most of your food are piles and most of your food are made of pile ingredients, then you're good to go. Like this pile right here on the table, a pile of cookies I got, that's part of the food pile diet? No, absolutely not. I mean, no, you are allowed to eat cookies you're right. allowed to eat whatever you but want it's, it's a pile just of a food. general rule so so that it, this fits the general uh, no, rule uh, well, okay. well i know you said mostly vegetables a but pile like, of one thing is not a pile so it's, it has to be a mixed pile of multiple things okay so if i mix the cookies with french fries and chips then like, like i said you'd be allowed to eat it but that wouldn't be one of the meals that you'd find dominant the pile status of that junk food is irrelevant but, but so but it's, it's the piles diet that's the primary distinction yeah, so of the a diet pile in the terms of the piles diet is a mixture of different foods that are mostly healthy mostly good for you so so the diet is to eat healthy things Yes, healthy food is a, obviously a big part of any diet, Aaron. This diet seems like it's not. It's a way of remember. I can tell you firsthand. I feel great. I'm in the best you, shape of my life. You don't seem like you feel great. You seem kind of mad. 
yeah, okay, I'm, well, I'm just well, asking my basic body's questions. still adjusting to okay. some changes I've, in my life so eat healthy things the new diet no it's the, the pile new diet, diet it's by from pile incorporated read the pile manifesto it's gonna it makes a lot of sense it's yep. a, to sponsor the episode the great company i yeah. i support them i just had a question so yeah yeah just look like at sea lion over here no i support the question I, I support them they're the sponsors they're a great great group you've really undermined their well you know if your diet stood up to scrutiny then a simple question wouldn't undermine it so we'll see let the audience decide whether it was undermined or not. well let's yeah uh let us let us know if you try the pile diet and it works for you it works for me it works for everyone i know and it's perfect and it's not a simple question that was slander that was a slanderous direct attack on our sponsor and i won't stand for it so one of the big things that happened while we were uh, not recording the show was a uh, a bernie sanders type populist progressive politician in france jean-luc melanchon came uh came pretty close to being included in the second round of voting in the uh, French presidential election. So the, the way that the French presidential election works is there's rounds of voting where people are eliminated if they fall below certain thresholds until there's eventually a uh, face-off between two. In this case, it was uh, Marine Le Pen and uh, Emmanuel Macron. Who's like a, it was like a centrist candidate versus a right-wing populist candidate in the end. Mm-hmm. But we also had this radical uh, eco-socialist. This is a very like close mirror of the American election, like where the first round is like the primaries where you had this Bernie, this centrist, uh, Hillary Clinton, and, um, you know, Donald Trump running in his primaries. And like those seem to be the three main candidates very quickly in the election, like the other Republicans you didn't really know. Anyway, and it was narrowed down to the centrist and the far right candidate. Yeah, same thing happening here. I think in many ways, Bernie Sanders is he's extremely progressive for the American political scene, which is very um, regressive and basically just bad politics everywhere. He's no he's no Melanchon. Yeah, Melanchon is is like ridiculously something. Like ridiculous like I'm so tempted to call him Melanchon. Like it's you with melon in front of it. Melanchon. Well, that's a delicious idea. <laughs> a melon version of you. Sorry, go ahead. The platform was designed um in part through local assemblies and it was a collaborative process that designed it. And because of that, it's got something for pretty much any um any radical political faction, there's something for them in this platform. Uh, just an example of how, like, Melanchon wants to introduce uh, a maximum wage where um, all income above 20 times the average income of the nation is taxed. Taxed at 100%, like you can't exactly. make any more than that? Yeah. Okay, something that I thought was really uh, interesting and funny was he proposed... The construction of the first permanent submarine station, uh, which would be an international project in the model of the International Space Station. So there'd be a place in the ocean where the international community would come together to build a permanent underwater base to study the ocean, which I think is like the fucking coolest thing ever. It's so, (laughs) so out there. So yeah, the the party he's with is uh, France Insoumise, which uh, translates to either like unbridled France or unsubmissive France. It doesn't really translate well, but the mm-hmm. basic idea or rebellious France. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of the big things that he suggested is um, the the forging of a new republic, a new constitution. Um, a lot of his campaign was about how the 1%, the financial and political classes had merged to the point they were conspiring against the French people. And so he wanted to have citizens' assemblies build a new constitution that would in- ensure that the right to work, um, the right to housing, and other leftist commitments like this are enshrined in a new constitution that would be written entirely by non-politicians. And actually, it would be a, a requirement of anyone participating that they've either never held office before, and by participating, they're ruling out running for office in the future. Citizens' Assembly thing sounds very uh, Bookchin-y. Yeah, kind of, I mean, he, Bookchin draws the distinction between statecraft and politics, where statecraft is like running a government and politics is the local face-to-face assemblies. Hmm. But I think like overall, apart from that... Well, I mean, this is like a Republican federation versus Bookchin, which is like a confederation of quasi-independent assemblies. So yeah, it's not the same thing, but it just... Even Hmm. having local assemblies that have any real political power just reminded me of that, I guess. Yeah. And I think and broadly, apart from some things that uh, minor fixations, I think that that uh, Bookchin's politics developed over time, like broadly, this is a very um, social ecologist platform. Like he's strongly committed to uh, addressing the environmental crisis. It's one of his major features is how to address the environmental and social crisis. Um, Mélenchon separates the two social crisis and environmental crisis are separate in his view. In Bookchin's view, the two would be a single crisis, mm-hmm. which the environmental crisis is a social crisis to him. Regardless, just some other things from the platform that I was able to find. Uh, one of the campaign promises was to abolish patriarchy in state and society. I don't care how that <laughs> plays out. <laughs> yeah. It's a very so, yeah, esoteric his, promise. In those lines, uh, introduce laws against sexism and un- unequal treatment in either the workplace and civil society, strengthen laws regarding violence against women, make access to family planning, contraception, and abortion universal, and also abolish uh, sex trafficking and, and prostitution. Those sound good, except for abolishing prostitution in my yeah, mind. Yeah, it's controversial. The left is divided on yeah. how empowering sex work is and if, yeah, and to what degree sex trafficking and unwilling participation in sex work is inherent to prostitution and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you have a strong social safety net, then you're going to massively decrease any unwilling participation in prostitution already well and that's definitely also another part of his platform is the strong um safety net he suggests a three-year autonomy allowance to young people so just paying young people for three years of living Mm, uh, between the ages of 18 and 25 Uh, there's a campaign promise to completely eradicate poverty and homelessness over time and last episode we talked about ensuring a basic guaranteed basic outcome yeah this is reflected in his platform basically um they called it socia minima uh like the you know bottom line that you can be guaranteed to have yeah Socia minima is like like housing, like specific things. It's not a it's not a, an amount of money. It's uh yeah. So yeah, making sure that you have housing, food, right. water, clean air. Yeah, cool. uh, he also talks about um, gasoline as part of 
like having a right to some gasoline. Um, <laughs> nice. I'd like uh, some free government gas. It might be actually. We might be talking about like gas to heat homes. Oh, but, oh okay. Hmm, uh, yeah. Don't, either way. So establish free access to and quantities of water, electricity, and gas essential to a decent life. Um, he wanted to construct tw- two hundred thousand units of social housing per year for five years. Uh, which is a lot of social housing, like mm-hmm. a, a lot, a lot. Like in here in um, British Columbia in the last election, our progressive party promised about 200,000 units of social and subsidized housing over the course of 10 years. Right. Not, and they were criticized as going too far with that. Right. Um, so he's talking about building that much every year for the next five years. He, instead of having... Um, five tiers of taxation for progressive taxation he wanted to have 16 tiers everything beyond 400,000 euros a year is uh, taxed at 100%. Yeah, this that's uh, I feel like is the only part of this so far that I don't think is a good idea just because people are going to find a way around it they'll move to different countries they'll move their businesses out of the country. I think you got to like you got to tax it really high like maybe even up in the 80s or something but you got to like keep a little bit of a cherry there for them to keep making that money so you can keep taxing it. A cherry what the fuck is a cherry? A carrot is what I meant. It just seems like uh uh, uh it might be self-defeating. But everything else you've said from him so far it sounds dope as fuck. A very. He also said, in when he's talking about taxes, he said um, in the platform, it said the tax system is full of holes, like Gruyere, uh, <laughs> such a French thing to do, which is a cheese. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a cheese with holes in it. Right. Um, so he's like the French tax system is like a cheese. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> And that warning at the beginning of the episode was also from the platform, correct? Yeah, yeah. Being a, it's a quote from him in the platform. Being a billionaire is immoral. Wanting to become one is a neurosis of the heart. Um, <laughs> which is like awesome, awesome. So, I mean, as a utopian, I'm really taken by the, the set of ideas. I wish that we could have more discussion on these ideas. And like, obviously, there's some things that go further than I would go if I was writing my platform. But I think considering them and having discussions about them is really important. Um, yeah, there's also, yeah, stuff goes further than I would too. But like in terms of the Overton window and how it's being stretched so far to the right in many uh, 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 countries right now and the the basic conversation going on in society. I like having this stuff <laughs> entered into the conversation um, quite a bit. Like we, if we need someone in uh, some English speaking countries to start saying these things so that we don't have to use Google Translate to <laughs> hear them <laughs> on the news. On the, on the subject of the Overton window and how this all fits into a broader strategy of putting forward um, the policies of helping each other, um, these progressive policies, he was inspired by and then later endorsed by the writers of this book called Hegemony and Socialist Strategy, um, which I haven't I haven't read, but I just found this out today. I actually have a copy of it I've been meaning to read, uh, which was also very inspirational to uh, Podemos in Spain. Part of their idea is about building that radical alternative and putting it out there in the mind space to, to influence things. So mm-hmm. I guess that, that could be our... Um, book recommendation this week hegemony and socialist strategy which is available from verso books which once sent us free books so um we love them yeah (laughs) yeah great great company (laughs) um so we'll talk more about uh jean-luc's 
revolutionary uh, utopian platform a little later on. Uh, but we got a lot of news to cover. Important news. Important news. Headline um, news. <laughs> but the importance of this type of utopian uh, populist platform, uh, it's really underscored by um, this uh, this headline that showed up on my feed today um, that as of June 8th, 2017, five men own almost as much wealth as half the world's population. So three billion plus uh, people, all of their combined wealth is the same as five dudes, mostly American. Mm. Um, so that's a really uh, obscene political situation. So if we just took those five people and made them broke, then the bottom half of the world could all double their money. Yes. Double your money. That probably wouldn't actually help them that much, though. Well, depending on which how, how low they are. That just makes, in that world, the sixth richest guy in the world is king. <laughs> Like, what if the sixth richest guy in the world was really pushing to redistribute the top five? <laughs> but only once, like yeah. not, not an ongoing program. Yeah, no, just, just one time. <laughs> like, it's too much. Those five guys have too much. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what if the sixth richest guy was really pushing to just make the sixth richest guy in the world king? Like, oh, that happens to be me? I mean, that's not why the platform. No, I just but... think that it's not too hot. Do, who, are, who are these five people? Do we know who they are? Do I know who they are? I saw Zuckerberg's picture there. So one of them, Zuck. Zucky B. Mark Zuckerberg is apparently sixth richest. Oh, oh, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. I knew he was plotting. He's just plotting. Yeah, I don't, ha I don't have the list on hand of the, oh, the five okay. richest. I don't know, whatever. Fuck them. If, if, if they want us to stop insulting them, they got to start donating. To the Patreon. <laughs> to our Patreon. <laughs> Come on, you're the richest, you're in the top five richest guys in the world. Can't you throw a little money our way? <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna start with my headlines. Marble mouth. Uh, Saudi Arabia and three other Arab countries moved to cut off land, sea, and air routes to the small peninsular nation of Qatar in early June, accusing the energy-rich nation of supporting regional terror groups. Qatar relies heavily on food imports from their land connection to Saudi Arabia, and many have called the ongoing incident the biggest diplomatic crisis in the Persian Gulf since 1991. Donald Trump has defended the actions of the Saudis and its allies, saying that Qatar funds terrorism at a very high level. The incident has said to have been sparked by a story released on Qatar's state-run news website that attributed false remarks to the Qatari leader that appeared friendly to Iran and Israel and questioned whether President Donald Trump would last in office. U.S. investigators suspect that the false report may have been the result of Russian hacking into the Qatari news network, with Defense Secretary James Mattis saying Tuesday that this could be a sign of Russia trying to break alliances that have a stabilizing influence on the world. I, also, something I just remember about Qatar is that they're one of the places on Earth where there's... Um like a lot of slavery still going on or the there's forced labor of migrant workers. So just basically yeah, they're, slavery. they're not a great place. They're, they sound very sympathetic in the thing I just read, but <laughs> yeah, like them versus the Saudi, it's just, just not like no one's great on either side of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to make them sound amazing. I also not well, a big fan of places with singular state run news agencies either. It, it didn't, it didn't sound to me like you were, you were endorsing them. I just, I just remembered that they've got, they got their fingers in the slave 
slavery thing. Right, right, which, right. Needless to say, we're against slavery here on the show. So I just wanted to point that out. Is that needless to say? We got to be clear. All of our slave, <laughs> our slavery needful. supporting audience members, get out of here. Well, you know, you can stay, keep listening, but get your mind changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump's detractors didn't get the silver bullet they were hoping for last week when former FBI director James Comey took the stand while he did call Trump a liar and suggested that Trump implied that his job depended on his, quote, loyalty to Trump. Uh, the Comey hearings also confirmed that Donald Trump is not under investigation for collusion with the Russians over their alleged attempts to influence the 2016 presidential election. And those hoping that Trump will be charged with obstruction of justice for first encouraging Comey to drop investigations into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and then later firing Mr. Comey are also finding that possibility growing slimmer and slimmer as the weeks move on. The Trump administration has denied any wrongdoing and Trump's legal team has stated that they will be filing a complaint against Comey for leaking classified information, saying they are prepared to demonstrate that Comey is responsible for a string of leaked memos dating back at least to March. Comey has admitted to leaking just one memo to the press after being fired by Trump last month. Yeah, I don't know, that whole thing. I, w- I wasn't really paying attention to it when it happened. I had to, like, go back and read. But I de- it definitely seemed like everyone got really, really excited that day. And then kind of, like, just wasn't that exciting. <laughs> yeah. Big anticlimax. My instinct on dealing with the, uh, the Trump problem, uh, which is significant, is um, probably to put out you know, some sort of political alternative that people can rally behind in the midterm elections mm. take, mm-hmm. and then you can impeach them really easy. Yeah. If you, ha- if the Democrats have the Senate and the house or if you like, if you really, if you want to impeach him, mm-hmm. but like having, but a- if, if Comey had had some like stellar bomb, like information, like his notes, everyone was talking about his notes and how he kept notes on the meetings and what was going to be in these notes. And if there had been something in there that was just like, boom, he, he broke the law really hard. Even the Republicans might've had to get on board with impeaching him, but it's not going to happen. I'm not that stoked about impeaching Trump either because I don't know what's his face. Isn't that great? Neither Pence. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it keeps them all bound up and unable to do shit, which is something <laughs> yeah i mean I, yeah I'm, I'm all i'm all for it i just think that we should have that that fervor that that thirst that political thirst we should direct mm. that towards like universal health care and stuff right um, right so it's because like the it's it's a trend in in lots of places like on the left at the center left like the liberal left is the over personalization of bad political policies if you get rid of, you can get rid of Trump today and it's not going to solve the problems, you know, like it's not going to fix the political undercurrents that brought us to Trump. Uh, the Republican party is still going to try to pass insane laws for the benefit of the rich, um, that fuck over everyone else. Um, there's no, uh, Melanchon, uh, political platform waiting to be installed by Mike Pence if we if we impeach Trump. No, not at all. Um, so I, I think there is a need for 
the the Bernie wing of the Democratic Party to be given the platform to inspire people and um, change the the makeup and also undo all of the uh, rat fucking that the Republicans have done as far as like rat fucking. <laughs> yeah, rat fucking is when you like rat fucking. Rats is are so like, small. I feel like their orify would be. I think rat fucking is a a a term for shit. What's it called when you change electoral boundaries to? Uh, gerrymandering yeah rat fucking is like gerrymandering and other dirty tricks like that to give political parties an advantage hmm, um, didn't know that and a group of republican strategists while obama was in office conspired to change the electoral landscape of the country and make it a much more uphill battle to unseat the republicans so the democrats need to seize power undo that make fair elections yeah there's a lot to be done <laughs> yeah let's see well well <laughs> Or we can just we'll scream and that. holler about Russia. <laughs> yeah. Um, make fair elections. The Democrats. Good. <laughs> uh, feeling a bit cynical. In January 2016, American citizen Otto Warm Warmbier. I'm going to say his name Warmbier because it's funny. American citizen Otto Warmbier was detained at the Pyongyang airport in North Korea as he attempted to leave the country. After an hour-long trial, Otto was found guilty of, quote, hostile acts against the North Korean government after security footage showed him attempting to remove a banner containing a political slogan from the walls of his hotel room. I guess they had, like, cameras in his hotel room. And everyone know if you ever go to North Korea, they might have some cameras in your hotel room. <laughs> And he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. Uh, this week, Joseph Tun, the State Department's special envoy to North Korea, made a rare visit to Pyongyang to demand uh, Otto's freedom on, quote, humanitarian grounds. The North Korean government has released Otto, but he is now in a coma and has been, according to the regime, since March of 2016, when he took a sleeping pill and contracted botulism. Relations between North Korea and the USA have been strained recently with the former ramping up missile testing and both sides engaging in engaging in inflammatory rhetoric and war posturing. So, yeah, they're like, OK, we'll release him. But, oh, yeah, he's been in a coma for like a year. Uh, he has botulism because he took a sleeping pill. That was <laughs> that's the story. He went into a coma while he was doing the forced labor. Uh, yeah. How long yeah. was he actually doing the labor before he went into the coma? Because I feel like he hasn't been held yeah, that The long. whole thing was January 2016, and the coma started in March 2016. So he only had to do like two months. He got off easy. He got off easy. Just he a little that, botulism. <laughs> he got that coma out. Yeah. So he was, yesterday when I was reading stories about this, he was being rushed to a, a hospital somewhere in the States. I don't know if there's been an update on his condition, whether he's going to recover from this botulism coma or not, but it's fucked up. I'm never going to North Korea. I'm just mm -hmm. not, not. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope that guy's all right, but assuming it all works out for him, pretty sick. You only had like two months right, forced just, labor and, and then, then you're just out. You boom, sleep, coma. wake up back home. And they're like, whoa, the medical cost of keeping this prisoner alive is really fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking us up. Let's send him back home. Right. And then he like opens his eye a wink. He's like, Am I out of this <laughs> vacant coma? Make note of that, uh, people in forced labor conditions and tense geopolitical uh, standoffs. Fake a coma. This morning, a shooter opened fired at a charity GOP baseball game in Alexandria, Virginia, injuring five people, including Representative Steve Scalise, who is the House Majority Whip. 
uh, and Zach Barth, a legislative correspondent for a Texas Republican and a lobbyist for Tyson Foods and two other people who I don't know who they are. The shooter has been identified as 66-year-old James Hodgkinson of Belleville, Illinois. Uh, Hodgkinson then engaged in a fire exchange with police in which he was shot and then handcuffed and died in custody a short time after. Hodgkinson was an avid opponent of President Trump and a supporter of presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Sanders, upon hearing that the shooter had volunteered on his campaign, issued this statement. Uh, do Do you want to read in your Bernie voice or should I just do it? I have just been informed that the alleged shooter at the Republican baseball practice is someone who apparently volunteered on my presidential campaign. I am sickened by this despicable act. Let me be as clear as I can be. Violence of any kind. (laughs) You would never say it like that. (laughs) Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn this action in the strongest possible terms. Uh, real change can only come through nonviolent action, and anything else runs against our most deeply held American values. Thank you, Bernie. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Aaron. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> so yeah, I spent all morning arguing with people on Facebook about this, about how <laughs> it's not going to help anything. <laughs> well, like uh, people were saying uh, it was going to help something? Yeah, yeah, that it's great. Well, just like good ass praxis this is so awesome like what oh, bernie bro finally did something useful uh shit like that so who are these monsters that mm. you were speaking to Pol- political aesthetics escape pod shout out facebook group <laughs> just read oh, the God. threads in there well that's barbaric <laughs> yeah Those i was just like oh yeah you guys are right racism in america is gonna be over now <laughs> <clears throat> the the wealth gap is just closed it's just been like completely like dismantled by the this shooting and the republicans have far less power now and like yeah it's just great like all the things that we hope for as leftists are being achieved because of this this shooting it's yeah we, great we, idea. we need more unprincipled spree killings <laughs> that will really uh that'll really make everything f- fit into place I've already made that comment. Bernie becomes president now. The response I got from someone was just, well, it's a start. (laughs) It's not a start. What do you mean it's a start? (laughs) It's a start to achieving all those things I just said that I sarcastically said that it had achieved. I'm so glad that I've pulled out. I used to be like in these Facebook groups (laughs) and I used to devote significant intellectual and cognitive resources to evaluating their claims. And responding to them. I have a weird squeaky wheeze in my laugh right now. I don't know if it's being picked up on the mic. but Since I pulled out of um, Left Book, mm-hmm. which is a, 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 a barbaric <laughs> wasteland of what I can only assume are children. Um, yeah, it's mostly teenagers, I like, I think. It's got, and like, and I get that there, it's like a, there's a catharsis to it and they're just playing ultimately most of them are playing around or there's some ambiguity of it but like i think celebrating the death of people who are killed in spree killings in any political context is is to to be fair nobody none of these five people died the only person who died was the shooter just just news want to be accurate but yeah of course yeah but um celebrating a spree shooting (laughs) yeah no matter the outcome yeah um is is insanity and is is horrifying and uh is disgusting 
and uh, fuck them. They're they're monsters. They don't represent the political uh, dispositions they claim to represent. And it's just borderline. Like that's exactly so close to just being the worst type of the alt right. Like just the boundaries between celebrating spree killings. Like uh, fuck them. I've seen some edgy uh, tankies recently. ranking the four quadrants of the political thing now wanting to go well the this this is the best politics is top left and then top right and then bottom left and then bottom right i don't know what that's so like they're 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 they're, they're, they're saying authority like you know how there's this <laughs> their alliance now? to authoritarianism <laughs> it's so strong that they'll they'll side with pinochet ahead of siding with yeah hippies. yeah 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 um, would just I think it's just in response to anarchists doing the opposite and saying like you know bottom unity over left unity and they're like well fine then top unity over left unity <laughs> you fucking anarchists are like fine then I'll admit it I'm an insane psychopath who wants to murder people <laughs> fine <laughs> you anarchists have really been uh, hoisted by your own petard here because look I'm admitting that I'm an insane violent person gotcha. <laughs> Antifa groups around the world continue to be at the center of controversies, using sometimes violent tactics to push back against those they say support fascism and white supremacy. Two Antifa protesters attempted to disrupt a news broadcast by Australian conservative political commentator Andrew Bolt, who, after being physically assaulted, chased the protesters and punched back at them. Defenders of Bolt in Australia have launched a petition to Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull to classify the loosely associated group as a terrorist organization, though it has had a very lackluster response. I think there was like 4,000 signatures or something on it. Uh, in early June, uh, recently at a pro Trump free speech rally in Portland, Oregon, which turned violent and at which police used crowd control weapons such as stun grenades and rubber bullets on the crowd. It was like a sentence fragment there, whatever. Uh, The American Civil Liberties Union has said that the police overreacted to a few protesters who were throwing bricks and red-dyed tampons at the officers, and Mayor Ted Wheeler has asked the Portland Police Bureau to uh, justify its use of the crowd control weapons. So just some recent Antifa news. It's been hearing that in like mainstream political discussions, all of a sudden people are talking about Antifa classifying i know it doesn't seem like it's a serious political proposal at this point but classifying uh antifa as a terrorist organization would be just like a blank check for the security state to classify literally any leftist they want at any time as a terrorist yeah crack down on like any protesting that you want because yeah because Anti-fascism is like a tendency, not a group. There's no Antifa meetings. Mm-hmm. People who identify as Antifa don't network with each other like across the across borders and pass on strategies. It's all a very ad hoc thing. So then you can have a protest for any purpose, have a couple people show up and have them do anything that's associated with the Antifa sphere, whether that be uh, dressing up in black block coverings or having an anti-fascist flag which like i think someone in our bad boy jail based on the news story before this the the shooting said that bernie supporters should be um classified as a terrorist organization (laughs) that's that's great um jth joseph thomas hunter (laughs) shout out 
I think he was probably half joking, but, but I, I was trying to focus at least the second half of that story on the disproportionate police response. Also this Trump free speech rally in Portland that was happening was happening for a really fucked up reason. It was happening in response to the incident that happened where this white self-identified white supremacist guy was verbally attacking a Muslim woman or two Muslim women, I think. And then two guys tried to defend her and the white supremacist guy ended up killing those two guys. And so I don't know, we needed to have a free speech rally uh, in response to that incident. Like because you should be allowed <laughs> to verbally abuse people as part right, of your right. free speech. Yeah. So, the, so then the Antifa come to the pro Trump rally to be the counter voice. And yeah, I guess there was some brick throwing and stuff, which yeah, it's not going to. Um, also, if I recall correctly, the stabber on that train was also a Bernie Sanders supporter. He was a Bernie supporter who turned Trump supporter after Hillary won the nomination, if I remember right. And just to defend uh, Bernie, who's condemned this violence, uh, as he obviously would, part of the reason that we're seeing more violence being done by people who are supporters of Bernie Sanders is because a lot of people support Bernie Sanders. He's the most popular politician in America. <laughs> he's, he's the most popular politician in America. So it's actually quite staggering how many acts of violence are done by people who don't support him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong with people who don't support him doing all that violence. Kathy Griffin, Reza Aslan, and Bill Maher have all found themselves under fire in the past couple weeks for uh, stepping outside the bounds of good taste, we'll say. Kathy Griffin was fired from her job uh, doing CNN's New Year's Eve hosting after posing with a picture of Donald Trump's severed head, obviously a, a fake severed head, um, sparking some outrage. Reza Aslan was also fired by CNN. He was a host, uh, had recently been hired as a host on CNN for uh, tweeting out that the president was a piece of shit, saying that the president was opportunistically using the London terror attacks as a way to support his own proposed Muslim ban. And the only one of these people who didn't get fired was Bill Maher, who referred to himself as a house N-word on his show and then spent two segments of the next show having black people berate him for how bad he was, what a bad boy he was. Well, he kind of said sorry, but was kind of like, eh, you know, I'm a comedian made a joke. So, yeah. It was... Well, it sounds to me out of those three, you know, controversies of people crossing lines, seems to me like Reza, Reza Aslan shouldn't have been fired for that tweet. Because no, it seems that, pretty innocuous. Yeah, that that one is like really crazy. Like you can't call Trump a piece of shit. Like it, I, maybe my bounds of what's okay have been like if this was like the 50s and like, oh my God, you called the president a piece of shit. But like <laughs> just like people say a lot worse about Trump like all the time. If you called him a fascist, would that have been fine? I don't know. It's really weird that he lost his job over that. Um, he should not have. The Kathy Griffin thing also just seems weird to me that people care so much. Like, I, I get it. It's not great. I don't know. I, I can't get excited about it. It seems fine to me, to be honest. Yeah, if it was if it was a conservative pundit doing it to Obama, I could see the outrage. 
Oh yeah. So okay. in that, but no, like still, I don't know. But I was, it's just sort of dumb. Like the whole thing is dumb. Yeah, I'm like, trying to think like a conservative comedian. Like if like Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> post with a Obama's head, but there's all these like racial intonations. And if it was Bill Clinton's head or Hillary Clinton's head, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess I understand that it's not in good taste, but it just. I mean, you got a right to violate the boundaries of good taste. If part of your career relies on a, a piece of shit network like CNN, <laughs> um, then I, <laughs> I guess that's something you need to work, think about as a person planning their life. But uh, <laughs> it just seems like the picture in the first place is dumb. Like who saw that picture and was like, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah, we all want to cut his head. I guess Jim Carrey kind of said that in that <laughs> clip. <laughs> he wanted to. Cut Trump's head off too. Yeah, well, I mean, like guillotine jokes. People want to cut Trump's head off for sure. But like, it's not like Kathy Griffin's fan base is made up of internet <laughs> tankies and, and revolutionary anarchists for the most part, because they're they're they make up very few people's bases because they're a small segment of the population. Things are getting kind of tense, eh? Yeah. Like politically. (laughs) (laughs) When did this start happening? Because it's getting kind of, it's getting kind of weird. I don't know what to do about it all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then the Bill Maher thing, like, I don't know. Watching him apologize was so lame because he obviously wasn't sorry. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I don't know. It was so painful and so bad. I would have rather that he just didn't apologize, but I think he knew that he might actually lose his job if he didn't. Um, so Mr. Politically Incorrect <laughs> had to had to eat some shit. But like, man. Cancer survivor Christy Loyal has created an Instagram account to document the travels of her amputated foot. The foot, which uh, she asked the doctors to save, has been cleaned of all flesh and scrubbed down to a pristine skeletal memento. The Instagram account now has almost 5,000 followers and shows images such as Christy's foot playing with her cat, visiting a lighthouse, visiting a waterfall, lying in bed, among other foot adventures, skeleton foot adventures. (laughs) she also has a gofundme going for her um medical bills a pittsburgh man who ordered his curry at all india buffet with no onions was shocked and upset to find that his dish came still containing onions he was so upset that the next day he returned to the restaurant uh, implied that he had a gun and then exposed his genitals and ran through the restaurant naked, threatening to shoot the owner. Staff called 911, and once the police arrived, the man continued to ignore their commands and had to be dragged away, reportedly becoming dead weight in their arms, making it as difficult as possible for them to remove him from the restaurant. Was this in Vancouver? No, this was in Pittsburgh. See, yeah, I thought I would have heard about that if it happened here. But yeah, because there is an All India Buffet... Here, I think it's actually even the same. The logo looked the same to me. So he he was completely naked, but also claimed that he had a gun. It said he implied that he had a gun and then took off his pants. So I don't know if he was saying like his his genitals were the gun, but then he was still running around naked saying he was going to shoot the owner. So I don't know if he was going to shoot on the owner or he was saying that he still had a gun. Or I, I don't know if his pants were just down around his ankles or if he took them all the way off. Cause how can you run with pants around your ankles? Mm. I don't know. This is logistics for that guy to figure <laughs> out, I guess. But the, <laughs> you know what they say? The customer is always right. So he gets yeah. to shoot the owner. 
<laughs> yeah, right. The, oh, we're so sorry, sir. Right this way. Here's the owner. You can you can shoot him. Uh, we want your experience is paramount. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's capitalism. Did I tell you what happened to me the other day? Uh, no. I went down to, with your car? No, no. I went down to All India Buffet. Oh, I love that place. Oh, so did I. But yeah, then know what they did? did. Mm. I asked specifically, mm-hmm. no onions, please. Yeah, of it's not hard to do. Reasonable. Yeah, Customer's please. always right. I asked, no onions. What did they give me? Oh, they didn't. They, they did. They did not they did. give you onions. They gave me onions. I found in onions the food in the that it. you asked for no onions. Yeah, I said no onions. I even looked at the receipt, said no onions on it. Special request. Then boom, onions. What'd you do? I'll tell you what I did. Well, um, I've got some Canadian news uh, that I think is a little bit a little bit happier. Oh, sure. A little bit happier than nudity, a little bit happier than increasing political tensions erupting in violence. Mm, what uh, What's going on in Canada that's so great? Uh, Well, firstly, in uh, Comeuppance News, uh, we talked on a previous episode about Kevin O'Leary, the blowhard businessman entering the Conservative Party race Mm -hmm. um, to run for leader and kind of positioning himself as a Canadian Trump and the the fear that he could be successful in that because I hate him. (laughs) I hate him a lot. And I've hated him before he got involved in politics. I never even heard of him until this happened, and I still don't know anything about him except for (laughs) what little I've read Well, I'm happy to report that he suffered a humiliating defeat in the conservative uh, leadership race. He actually dropped out before the final voting because two reasons. Uh, First of all, that he could see there was no path to him winning. Uh Um, And secondly, because it was too hard to be a politician. Mm, yeah, uh, definitely. Here's a, uh, a quote from him. Nobody in the corporate world works that hard. Nobody. They have no idea. So that <laughs> that's, that's really, I mean, I run into people who are saying like Bernie Sanders is a lazy socialist who's just... Right, because he's been in elected office his whole life. Yeah, he doesn't have any jobs before being mayor or something. Like, you know, being mayor is a hard job. Being a senator is a hard job. Running for president is really hard. He's just kicking back back on the government (laughs) dole the whole time. Um, (laughs) So this this quote should be used as a rallying cry. But, you know, politicians, it's actually really, really hard work. And being a principled politician doing good work is even harder. Who won? Who won the conservative Um, thing? The eventual winner was... uh, uh, a crypto fascist cabbage patch doll named Andrew Shear, who <laughs> is formerly the the speaker of the the House of Commons. He's seen by a lot of people as an extension of the um, Harper government, and he's a pretty you know socially regressive. And yeah. so they're kind of staying the course. They're not going with uh, what's her face that other Kelly Leach. Yeah, Kelly Leach was. Uh, they had ranked voting through it, and Kelly Leach was also knocked out pretty quick. Right. I think partially just because her voice is really annoying. They liked the racism. They hated the being annoying woman part. Right. So then O'Leary got behind another candidate who ended up losing. He came a lot closer, uh, Maxime Bernier. And Bernier ended up losing in the last round of voting, although he had an early lead. So both of them have lost badly. And they've also got a large debt to be settled with Elections Canada, which isn't as easy as just paying it off. And this is what's so funny and awesome is O'Leary's campaign owes about $300,000 from his failed campaign that didn't even make it to the end. How does he owe them money? So like you register a bank account with Elections Canada for the purposes of the leadership race. Yeah. And they've spent 
$300,000 more than they actually have raised. Mm. But individuals can't give more than $25,000 to their own campaign. Uh, and O'Leary's already done that. Uh, which means that in order to pay off this debt to all the various people that specifically, I guess, to the bank and or the people who had given services or whatever that it's now being billed for, he needs to fundraise donations for a failed leadership campaign that's already over. And the maximum that people can give is about $1,500. So it means he needs to find hundreds of people to give him over $1,000 in order to just be even and not break the law. That's a, such a weird setup. Like you're not allowed to pay it off yourself, but you yeah. already lost. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's funny, like no better person for it to happen to, but it just seems like a very like bad structure in the first place. Well, it's, I mean, so much for fucking fiscal responsibility. Hey, O'Leary, like the <laughs> conservatives are like, oh, we spend, we're very careful with our money. It's like, well, in your leadership campaign, you dumb piece of shit, you spent $300,000 more than you actually had coming in. And now you're stuck with a debt that needs to be paid off by hundreds of donors you need to solicit for just to break even after you lost. So on behalf of the residents of Canada and people around the world, and especially children around the world, uh, Kevin O'Leary, I have to say, fuck you. And I'm glad that you're suffering. <laughs> uh, also, Bernier, when O'Leary endorsed him, hired a lot of his campaign staff and also has some debt to pay off in a similar fashion. <laughs> and secondly, this is a very local news to hear in Vancouver. Some people that I know were involved with this. It's really exciting. The hard work of community activists has paid off twice in the last week um, in the downtown east side. The first is that there was going to be a redevelopment of, in Chinatown that would have a 12-story condo put into this historic neighborhood. Critics were saying that the downtown east side doesn't need more expensive market price condos. Mm -hmm. They need social housing. They organized well. They made their case. And uh, city council, which was backing the condo, is now backed down and defeated in a vote. Uh, the mayor, Gregor Robertson, who voted against the motion, said, In my almost nine years as mayor, no issue or project has yielded such a passionate, emotional response as this rezoning application. So that's it's just a victory for so community the con activists. So the condo is not going to happen, but also there's no like, it's not like they're still building it, but it's social housing now. It's just no. not going to happen. No. We'll see what happens with the provincial government going forward. There's a, a change of government happening where it looks like we're going to have a social democratic premier soon. The other victory for community activists in the downtown east side this week was there's a condemned SRO apartment building called the Balmoral. So SRO stands for single rental occupancy. These are like welfare rate condos, marginalized populations living in these buildings that are basically run by slumlords. Actually, they're run by literal slumlords called the Sahota family. There was a victory this week in that while earlier this month, all those 150 plus people who are residents of the Balmoral were delivered notice that they had to leave the building because it was a danger to live there. Uh, there's a fear they're going to end up on the street and that no one is going to be held responsible for it. And again, because of the work of community activists and consciousness raising around this issue, hmm. not only are all the people who are being pushed out of that building have places to live immediately, they're also getting a cash settlement for a couple months rent from the slumlords. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty good good victory. A little bit of context is the, the Balmoral Hotel has been just horrific living conditions for a long time. It was just up the street from uh, my old apartment in the downtown east side where I worked for many years. And this is a building where in the entire apartment building, there was not a single working toilet for months. 
So people would go to the washroom either in other places in the neighborhood or they'd often just like shit in the street. Right. Um, so there's a lot of fecal matter in the streets. Over the last two years, it's been getting a lot worse too, as far as just shit. And a lot of it coming just from this one building because they had no toilet. Yeah. Jesus. Um, I think a whole building. Yeah, a whole, <laughs> a whole building, toilet. and it used to, it would be like most of the toilets not working, and then just eventually down to none of them working, and just um, never fixing any of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Sohotas are slumlord pieces of shit and they, that's, that's like I, you think of slumlord like oh they took like a whole two months to fix my toilet no it's just like no just never gonna <laughs> fix your toilet you gotta shit in the street um jesus also there was like a news story about the balmoral a couple months ago it got pretty big coverage here i'm not sure if it got coverage elsewhere in canada but there's a picture of some pigeons had made a nest out of syringes oh uh, my god <laughs> and like that that's from the balmoral we should make that the image for the episode. So yeah, and the, the Sohotas have done this type of stuff before. They've refused to fix buildings where people are living, put them in danger, not fixing mold problems, leaky roofs and stuff like that. Uh, and they never, ever fix the problems unless they're threatened with legal action and then they th- fix them immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, another piece of context here is that the city of Vancouver has a legal right to fix these buildings and they've been doing inspections for years. They've known the situation at the Balmoral, but haven't fixed it. Like they can just fix it and then send the bill to the... Exactly. Yeah. They've got a legal right to send in their own people, make all the toilets work, fix the walls and whatever, and then just send the bill to the Sohotas. And so if they had done that, then that would put an incentive on the Sohotas to fix it themselves because they'd be in charge of what it's going to cost or they'd sell off the building if they're unable to make those payments. Well, because like if you're housing people, you you can't just say like, oh, I don't have money to make sure they have toilets working. That's that's a precondition of running an apartment building. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It's kind of one of the things you want an apartment for. So I love having a toilet, to be honest. (laughs) Me too. I'm wild about it. (laughs) I take it for granted. I'm really spoiled when it comes to having a toilet. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And so, yeah, City Hall took a lot of heat for this. There was some good community organizing this done. Someone who's just been a powerhouse, who's done an insane amount of work on this, her name is uh, Wendy Peterson. She was involved in both of these cases and yeah. organizing people, putting people together. I've, I've met her a handful of times and like it's just really amazing the work she's doing. And it just shows that like when you organize, when where you see injustice, where you get people out to work together, you can achieve tangible things for people who need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and due to the the hard work and organizing of community activists, not only do all those people have a place to stay, but they got a, a cash settlement. And I mean, it's just the beginning. We still want to fight for more social housing in Vancouver, but um, yeah, a good start. And also, fuck Kevin O'Leary. That's that's my Canadian news segment. <laughs> Welcome to Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. Hi everyone, my name is Winky, and this is my first post in Sounds Like You're a Bernie Bro, but okay. Such a hilarious idea for a group. I love sticking it to those Bernie bros. Isn't what happened today such a horrible tragedy? I think this is all Bernie Sanders' fault, all his supporters are going out and being violent. It's so wrong. His supporters are racist, misogynists. They're almost as bad as Trump. Um, anyways, nice to meet you all. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> 
Are you sure that you're not a Bernie bro, Winky? Because it sounds like you're kind of a liberal and, you know, Bernie's a liberal and uh, against violence, against the revolution. You're not going to change society and have a revolution without murdering a few right-wing politicians, right? I mean, like kind of the definition of a Bernie bro is someone who thinks that you can just vote your way to change. You know, this charlatan Bernie Sanders. Oh, he's so great. He's going to save us while, you know, not supporting the revolution, not supporting the necessary violence it takes to reach the goal of a new leftist society, of communism, of actually existing communism. What are you saying? Um, yes, I'm a liberal and proud. I'm not some Republican anti-science idiot. Communism? Uh, what are you smoking? Communism has been tried. Uh, it doesn't work. Bernie's a democratic socialist, and democratic socialism always leads to democratic communism. And you know what that means. Read the Gulag Archipelago. All right, everyone. I banned the faker. I banned the secret undercover Bernie bro in here to spy on us and to just basically spread counter-revolutionary anti-communist sentiment. Good riddance. Good riddance. Now we can get back to truly dissing what's wrong with Bernie, which is his liberalism and his nonviolent sentiments. Wow, JFC. Class collaboration much? Ew, liberals. Roll that beautiful gray name footage. Wonder where they got that Nazi propaganda from. The Gulag Archipelago, Robert Conquest. <laughs> Come on. We're getting a lot of cops in the group these days, guys. We must really be onto something. <laughs> and we'll see you next time for another episode of Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Melanchon's, uh, platform, which is called the future in common. There's so much more to cover in it and so little time left in the episode. It's a shame because it's a really cool platform and it's, it's hard to find in English. Here's just a few more things that I wasn't able to mention before that I think are important. Lowering the voting age to 16, constitutionalizing the non-commodification of the human body and the fundamental right to self-determination in all circumstances, including the right to freedom of conscience, contraception, and assisted suicide. Uh, an, an interesting thing is uh, banning political polling in the days leading up to an election to prevent pollsters from having undue influence on the electorate. Just like in the way they ask the questions or something? Yeah, well, and also just, I guess, to prevent uh, strategic voting based on last-minute fluctuations mm -hmm. and stuff, trying to focus right. on the issues politically. Giving the police a mandate to deprioritize low-level drug crimes, obviously legalizing cannabis, uh, and focusing their resources instead on trafficking, drugs, arms, human beings, prostitutes, etc. That's human beings slash prostitutes. Those aren't two separate categories. And also in increase resources for fighting fraud, uh, corruption, and white-collar crime because there's um, billions of euros a year that is being lost through tax evasion. The non-commodification of the human body, like what, is that, what does that mean? Is that just another prostitute? I think uh, also, yeah, there, it's definitely open for interpretation, I think, in different ways. Like how do, how do you legally ensure that human beings aren't themselves a commodity, that human beings are separate from commodification. Because it just seems like that's what labor, like that like you get hired at McDonald's, your body is a commodity that they're hiring you to do the work. Like Yeah, well your I, like, labor is a commodity or right. 
yeah, if you think of yourself as separate from your labor, I don't know that I just don't see how you can do that without like fully abolishing um, <laughs> capitalism and prices and everything. But I, I just don't know what he means by it, I guess. Additionally, uh, end the plunder of the nation by putting a moratorium on public-private partnerships, halting privatization and renationalizing things that have been previously privatized, a stimulus plan of 100 billion euros per year on environmentally and socially useful investments, reforming and adjusting all tax incentives to make sure that social and ecological incentives are prioritized, um, introduce a Robin Hood tax on financial transactions, create a socialized public banking sector to provide financial support to small and medium-sized businesses that uh, serve social and ecological ends, increase overtime rates, reduce the work week from 35 hours to 32 hours, give a six-week of paid vacation as standard to all employees, set a ratio between the top paid and least paid workers in a corporation at a ratio for 20 to 1, so the highest paid person in a company only gets paid 20 times as much as the lowest paid. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, refuse blackmail on the public debt on the issue of like the country having a lot of debt. He wants to conduct a citizen audit of the public debt to determine what share of that debt is illegitimate. Uh, that is that it didn't serve the public purpose, that it was a result of corruption and things like that, misused and misallocated funds that people don't support the use of that funds, and then use that uh, citizen audit to renegotiate either by having staggered repayments, lower interest rates, partial cancellation, and so on. Something this reminds me of that I just want to do an episode on sometime is like something like, does the government suck at everything? Because the the idea of nationalizing industries and, and renationalizing industries that had previously been privatized, that was something that I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, certain things, medical things, I definitely think should be nationalized, but like... <sighs> It kind of does seem sometimes like the government really sucks at providing certain uh, things. And like, I don't know, I just want to talk about why it seems that way sometimes and whether there's ways or what the ways are to be around it. It's this a whole too big to yeah, talk yeah, about. Too big yeah, to no, talk about. I know about. We're, we're, we're wrapping up the episode. That's why I said I've another, so another to, episode. I've got so much to talk about, Aaron. You're, you're <laughs> did so much research on this platform. I'm and sorry. You, I just like, I have to talk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd offer my two cents. <laughs> well, the the private corporations also suck at doing things. Sometimes, but like sometimes they're like they're really like quick to answer your questions and like dealing with like the government trying to get answers to questions. Sometimes it's like really fucking hard. Whole, Whereas like you can just oh like God, get on like is... Amazon chat and they'll chat with you right there and like answer your question. Like dealing with Amazon is like such a fucking pleasure. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Whereas like. Dealing with the CRA, the government revenue agency, is like fucking nightmare. I hate that. I hate that you're saying this, and I but, don't have time so to refute. <laughs> I don't have time to refute and talk about the the systems at play. I've got so much to talk about in this we revolutionary just gotta talk about platform. Government customer service, like government customer service, needs an overhaul. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying like it's kind of like that. <laughs> Go join the Mount Perilin Society. Um, I don't know what that is. I know. Um, <laughs> God, I just, you filled me with rage. I'm just so full of rage now. Anything else is really important? We got to wrap this up. Yeah, I our know. Our timer's running out. I know, our timer's running out. <laughs> oh yeah, he wanted to, the France Insoumise platform wants to end suffering at work. Uh, that is, d declare suffering at work as a great national cause. 
to mobilize resources to minimizing suffering at work, oh communicating God, about that. suffering at work. I know, Aaron, and you could talk about this <laughs> bullshit libertarian stuff. I don't have time to. God damn it. It's not bullshit. <laughs> it's like Amazon, top, top quality customer service. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> we should just put Amazon in charge of the world because uh, well, they should definitely distribute all of our uh, social programs. Um, because it would be no. Okay, don't stop. Okay, we're gonna this. That's we're doing that episode next week. Now we're just doing it next week. Mm, oh no, I already booked booked that no, recording. Book it. We got to do it next week. <laughs> <laughs> This is our first real fight on the show, everyone. I'm like mad. <laughs> Got so much, <laughs> did so much research on this, and just like Aaron's you like, just sometimes the government's fight. hard to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, the chronically underfunded government that uh, suffering mm. from jabroni socialism and neoliberal privatization that's been chronically underfunded for decades by people who are antagonistic to the idea of government services is not efficient. Oh, so we should do an episode about it. Um, recognize burnout as an occupational disease. Fight against the managerial ideology uh, coming into society. This is part of the platform. Also, some awesome stuff on intellectual property. Stop the um, like free stop. downloads of whatever you want, whenever you want. Yes, sweet. Um, <laughs> stop the panditing of life forms, uh, the creation of a public online media library, a public platform for the legal online spread of music, films, cultural contents. Introduce a universal subscription to the internet so everyone has free internet access. Nice and making non commercial downloading legal. Prohibiting advertising in schools, hospitals, during children's programs, reduce advertising presence in public, uh, starting in more rural areas that have seen an advertising creep recently, and forbid digital advertising screens in public. Also, really grandiose international plans. He wants to unite all of the nations around the Mediterranean on common projects. France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, and Libya uniting around common objectives. He also suggested that in doing that, they should build a common Mediterranean TV channel that serves all these countries and uses all their languages. How do you have one channel with all these languages? Well, at different, at different, different times of day. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, you could, or you could have subtitles and stuff. Right. Uh, reclaim public control of digital and communications infrastructure. So nationalize fiber, nationalize cell phone networks, ensure net neutrality, systematize the publication of open data, use open source software in the public sector, and protect private data from being mined and used commercially. And this is just scratching the surface of a pretty dense platform, but I wanted to get all that in. There's a little more I also wanted to get in, but it's too bad. It's too bad. So it's all my fault. <laughs> I, you know, it's... Uh, Trying to say one thing during a segment, it's a uh, <laughs> huge problem. So if you uh, have any experience dealing with the government slash dealing with Amazon and which one might be better, uh, we want to hear from you. There's a contact form on our website, uh, mm. seriouslywrong.com. Uh, leave us a voice message about that. Uh, mm. We'll play it on our show that we're going to do about this. Especially if you understand like the fundamental difference between uh, <laughs> a state, uh, that, a welfare state that's providing services to people, especially in the context of neoliberal privatization ideology taking over for decades, and a a marketing platform that actually functions at a loss to try to fight for marketplace dominance. You know, there's a lot of intersecting things there. So if you understand those types of things, um, <laughs> what, what, what makes 
uh, dealing with the Canadian tax service fundamentally different from dealing with an online shopping mall? Feel free to use the comment section on the website for for that. Yeah, and we, like we should make the latter more like the former. Or wait, the other way around. I forget which one you said first. Taxes. Also, <laughs> if you love this content, want to donate to us, we love getting your donations. We have a Patreon. Please uh, support the show. We We depend on it. It's how we are able to keep doing this. Our customer service isn't quite as good as Amazon's, but the more donations we get, the better the customer service will get. So please, please, please uh, head over to to Patreon and um, pop us a little donation. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. Amazon, thanks you for listening. Uh, The Canadian government uh, didn't get back to us in time to say whether they thanked you or not. Uh, They were really busy uh, (laughs) being inefficient. Really bad budget cuts over a period of decades. It's easy to understand. Um, (laughs) And uh, next time on Seriously Wrong... Sean is going to be sure to try to ideologically trigger Aaron when there's five minutes left in the show and not give him any time to respond while he also has something else important to say. You responded quite adequately. You said quite a lot. You said more than I said. I'm angry. Hmm. Sean's mad. (laughs) Okay, Sean and Aaron, I understand you've had a little bit of a fight. I just want you to know that it's completely normal for podcast hosts to have fights like this. Sometimes things can get a little bit heated, but you talk to a podcast counselor like me and we can figure it out. Sean, what do you think happened there? What needs weren't met? Uh, well, what was happening was I was trying, I was trying my best to try to get out all of the platform points. I needed to be able to get out the important points before the end of the episode. We were running out of time. And then just, it was like a curveball. It just really threw me off. How about you, Aaron? How did that make you feel? Well, you know, I was just, I was listening to Sean, uh, you know, talk about all the information he prepared, but I felt like, oh, it's my responsibility here to give my opinion, to maybe crack some jokes, maybe just kind of say, I wasn't trying to interrupt his flow too much. I just wanted to make a quick 20-second comment, you know, and we could move right along. Uh, I didn't uh, mean to upset him. I didn't mean to slow the whole show down or cause any problems. I'm just trying to, you know, think of content, say what's on my mind, do what I always do on the show. I didn't think that you were trying to to fuck me up you know trying to throw stuff in my way it's just that's an issue that i'm really passionate about um but i just i had still so much to get out and then not being able to give that uh legitimate point you're bringing up i mean an important point that should be addressed that i can't give it the time it needs see it's as simple as that look we're already getting along yeah, and I mean, I understand that this is uh, an issue that's important to you, that this is an argument that you have probably thought a lot about and have a lot of things to say about, so to bring it up at a time where you don't have time to talk about all those things probably felt difficult for you. And uh, A big problem with it is that it's such a dumb and bad point. Well, Amazon doesn't have a moral mandate to take care of, of the people of the country. Okay, and, and Sean, have... I'm just going to have to ask you to stop for a second. That's not the heart of this. The heart of this is your partnership and everything you have to agree on. 
It's a shopping mall on the internet. But why do you want to nationalize everything when, like, dealing with these nationalized, like, if we nationalize telecom and then all of a sudden it sucks to deal with telecom. Nationalize transportation. It sucks to deal with telecom now. It sucks to deal with telecom. Yeah, and you want to make it worse. No, it's not making it worse. It's making it work for the public benefit. Well, I mean, it's worse unless we make the government more like Amazon. If we just made the government more like Amazon. Amazon is a panacea. Amazon doesn't have the solution to all the problems. No, no, just the customer service problems. It's a platform for selling third-party yeah, goods. Yeah, just good, want the government to take care of yeah, everything in the world. Well, I, like, not every, not I, everything. I, I, I want the not government everything. to tell me when to poop and pee. Like, that would be That's great. Not, if the that is unfair. If, that is some bullshit. Yeah, if I just could deal guys. with the Canadian Revenue Agency no, let's to get, tell let's me get when Amazon I can poop to tell and pee. Us when to poop my, and my life would be great. Yeah, it no, would be we a should pleasure. Make it, we should make it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, do you want someone to tell well, you, great. yes, you we can poop and pee right now? Perfect. Yeah, good. Yeah. Can we all do breathing? Can we all take a deep breath? Some